This is Michael Dooney, and you're listening to my favorite comic book podcast, 11 O'Clock Comics. Speaking of bubble, I had to explain to my wife what the basketball bubble was. Because my good friend Jason Dunn learned me on the subject, and I was nice. able to relate the information. That's respect. Yeah. We are watching some game. It was in overtime, and it was down to the last couple of seconds. And um, this, I don't know. Don't yes. Makes a, a, a three-pointer with, like, two seconds to spare. And then the, this subject came up, like, why are they playing? And Vinny was about to tell her. I said, "Ah, let me handle this." And he, he looks at me like <laughs> my, my head was like, like, "What?" And I said, "Yeah, Jason, tell me what the bubble is. I could tell mom, you know." And I did. Uh, Vinny Beats is all proud. And of he you. looked at me with that mm, that that my that's my dad. Nice. He, he knew I didn't know, and someone had told me. But still, he let me have hey. my my two seconds. It is what it is. Yeah. So thank you for informing me. Of course. Yeah. And hopefully, we're here to inform you, because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 691, Stealth Style, coming at you from nowhere. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. I am not Casper Milk Toast. I am David A. Price. <gasps> Ooh, he's, taking, he's, he's biting your game, Jason. Man, that, that's messed up. What? But that's all right, because I'm a, I'm a biter, too. I'm an also ran, because I'm Guy Gardner. <laughs> my dude and you too can funny. get cheap comics and graphic novels at... <laughs> why you gotta be so mean to guy you'll see you'll see damn but you're you're not the greatest green lantern unfortunately <laughs> you're jason wood everybody <laughs> all together no all together here for this special episode it's a themed episode wouldn't you know a where, bonus themed episode. Yes, a bonus and a themed episode where we talk on nothing if it's not Elseworlds. I think that's sure. a, I think it was a fun idea that we just jump into these um, DC equivalent of the what ifs of the past and just have some fun. And that's what that's we're right. going to do. But first, I want to tell you where you can get your comics and assorted previews bric-a-brac for a fraction of the price everybody else is paying yes you know it's discount comic book service dcbservice.com where you can get your books get them fast and delivered right to your door for a pittance a smattering another word that means little um the special we're getting close to the the uh, final order cutoff so i mean if you didn't do your previous video by now fuck it you shouldn't even bother <laughs> Uh, but remember the specials from Marvel. Conan the Barbarian by Mahmoud Asrar and Jason Aaron. The first 12 issues in a nice hardcover format will cost you not $34.99 as printed in the little type on the back. Nope, it's going to cost you $17.49. From Image, the scumbag number one, Rick Remender and a rotating roster of artists. $3.99 cover. Nope. Mm -mm. You're going to have it for a dollar ninety nine, and last but certainly not least, hardcover Wonder Woman, Black Label, Daniel Warren Johnson, Woman, um, two twenty nine ninety nine cover price. You can have it for fourteen dollars and ninety nine cents. That's nothing for a Daniel Warren Johnson book, worth every penny of that fifteen dollars. 
dcbservice.com does not mind late orders or order additions, and you get your books very securely packaged and delivered right to your door. Ding dong. My books are here. Everybody else in the house. Woo. dcbservice.com. Love it. Yeah. Short and sweet and good to eat. Yes, sir. That's right. So, as I mentioned, this is an all else world special. And as Jason is wont to do before we get into a book of the month, where he'll uh, try and dig up the, the deets on our history with whatever book we're talking about or series, what is your guy? Uh, I don't want to say your guys. I'm not on YouTube. What is your history with the else worlds format? Love it, hate it, ignore it. Well, you ask him. Uh, you, meaning the collective you, both he and yourself. Well, who? Well, that's who, awkward, Mr. Right? Because I don't um, on him like usual, but. Yeah, I, well, I'm probably going to have less to say, so I'll go first. Uh, um, not growing up a DC guy, I was aware of Elseworlds as a concept, but never really um, like sought it out as something. Um, in like say the last ten to fifteen years, uh, I realized I had read some Elseworlds because, and maybe you guys would know this better. A lot of things are now canonized as Elseworlds, and I'm not sure if they all were officially Elseworlds at the time. Like even Kingdom Come, for example, is considered Elseworlds. But I would imagine when that was coming out, that was just Kingdom Come. Um, but because so, so I, I guess what I'm saying is, it seems like now DC calls anything that involves their characters but didn't happen in whatever they consider core continuity as an Elseworlds. But I know that um, that may be a little bit of a retcon because there were just Elseworlds stories quite often, and it would actually say this is an Elseworlds tale. Uh, and I had read very few of those, um, just a smattering here or there based on recommendation or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so I, I had probably the easiest time for this little bonus app in terms of finding something new to read, I would imagine. Jesus, got a big rig pulling it's, out. Somewhere. It's the magic bus. <laughs> so I'll hand it off to Dap to see what he uh, what his deal with uh, with the Elseworlds is. Um, Kingdom Come always was in Elseworlds. Okay. It, it, it was. It wasn't. Um, they didn't. They didn't print it that way after the fact, uh, or it was collected. But arguably um, the most famous Elseworlds, right? Yeah, I would. I would say. Well, I mean, following Gotham by Gaslight, probably. You think that's the um, most famous? Really? I think I, I think that that's that's probably one of the first because when okay when I think of Elseworlds I usually think of one shots prestige format yeah. done in one tales yeah so so Kingdom Come is 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 an anomaly for me because it is a miniseries same thing with Red Sun but to answer your question first um, I absolutely adore I mean I'm I'm a, I'm a hardcore what if nerd so I mean I love I love alternative. Histories. I love alternative versions of of characters, of settings, of stories. I mean, you know, we can go back to to the Mirror Mirror episode, Star Trek, and Deep Space Nine. I mean, there are any time things are turned on its head, um, because part of it is is you're going to get a different iteration of that character, like the What If story, where What If the Spider bit you know, Flash Gordon, or but and everybody's got a different take on their Spider-Man uniform. And I, I dig that shit. Same thing with a lot of the Elseworlds stuff. It's, it's, this is, you know, here's a Batman outfit. That's not Batman outfit you're used to. Same thing with Superman or Green Lantern. And, um, 
as soon as, and, and knowing my love of what if, as soon as DC decided that even though it's crazy because they've got infinite Earths and they already have countless versions of their characters in different settings based on whatever Earth they're on, um, anything can happen. But to come out with with an imprint where nobody we're not we're not taking you know the crime syndicate from what used to be Earth three and is now Earth two and 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 they're just evil versions of that and it's still set in in continuity like Jason pointed out it's these are just one offs someone's got a story to tell about Superman during the time of Camelot you know it, it's it's we'll just have stories where you don't ex- i mean it, it, it's the the tagline of, of elseworlds is basically um taking taking your heroes um heroes are taken from their usual settings and put into strange times and places some that have existed or might have existed and others that can't couldn't or shouldn't exist the result stories that make characters who are as familiar as yesterday seem as fresh as tomorrow and and i'm all about that i if, if you're going to take a character that that i know and i love in their setting um and to tweak it a little bit so that you know the bullet didn't go back to the left now i'm like okay we're gonna see what happened when the butterfly didn't so i just i adore adore elseworlds i haven't I didn't read every single one of them when they started. Um, I kind of focused on the ones because it wasn't a what if where 60, 75 cents for an issue and, and you get, you know, what if Electra had lived. Now, you know, here's here's at the time, you know, two ninety nine, three ninety nine, four ninety nine for a fancier upscale comic. But if I didn't love the subject matter, not even if I didn't love the character, but if I didn't love the subject matter, if I didn't care for the setting of that hero um and whatever then then i i would just i'll catch up to it later but i'm i love me some else is what i'm saying yeah it was down to the creative teams for me because the price was so much more than standard comics if it featured a hero i loved but the creative team wasn't in my zone more often than not i would let it go and as a result, I'm going back and I'm buying a lot of these uh, in back issue format because obviously my creative, my my visual tastes have changed a lot over the years. So the ones I poo pooed initially, I'm now having to go back and and buy again. But I love the format. I thought it was a great idea. Uh, I think uh, I'm a firm believer that DC DC should have a, an ongoing Elseworlds title if only as an IP generator like Age of Apocalypse is nothing more than an Elseworlds at Marvel sure. and those yeah, characters sure. those characters have been shoehorned into regular continuity right Marvel Zombies was an Elseworlds from an Elseworlds yeah started with the ultimate line and then they struck gold with it and now um it, it you could say that they're coming back into Marvel continuity, so it's or Marvel continuity proper. So I, I, I just think both companies should break the toys. I love it when they break the toys, especially if a very talented group of people are doing it, right? And who knows, you may strike gold for every. I mean, aren't they kind of doing that with the uh, deceased right now? What are they doing with that? With 
I mean, deceased isn't. Um, oh, deceased. I thought you yeah, said deceased. That, that's not. Yeah, saying, uh, but but it, and that's that's kind of like the Marvel Zombies thing, where it's just it 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 keeps going and going and going and going. I I I, I absolutely agree with you. Be you know, go crazy with 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 the toys. Um, and I love the fact that it's it's self contained. It's like what's so so whatever happens in this Elseworlds doesn't doesn't negate anything that that's going on in in the regular ongoing. So everybody's got the best of both worlds. In a lot of in most cases, you didn't have to read anything going in. If you knew right. who Superman was and you knew the basic mythology, or you know rock bottom mythology, you could enjoy the story as well as somebody who's been reading Superman for thirty years. Same with Batman stuff. So it's it's but. Um, I actually would get salty back in the day when the Elseworlds creeped past one volume, like two and three. I'm like, wait a minute, this this doesn't work because I, I we were conditioned to expect the Elseworlds to be one issue, self-contained, beginning to end. Everything we need to say is in this one issue, and mm-hmm. if you don't, if you can't do that in 64 pages. Then I think there's a little bit of there's a little bit of padding going on here. Yeah, some need two. Like Superboy's Legion was two, and then you know, but Kingdom Come was four, which and, granted I mean, was a big story. So that's the thing. I mean, most most Elseworlds are a, okay. Yeah, Superboy and a Legion with the cast of characters there, but and and there are a bunch of characters in one of the stories I read, but um, you know, for the most part. Elseworlds were just a take on one character, or at least one particular character's universe, and you wouldn't have to like in their supporting characters. You wouldn't have to, you know, something like Kingdom Come, which is, I mean, it's it's Alex Ross getting to draw every Hollywood actor as a DC character, but also mm-hmm. um, it was a personal story for Mark Wade, and it just. Something like that, even if it was like the death of Captain Marvel, you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to do that. Even if it was, you know, extra size beyond sixty-four pages, you, you wouldn't. That that's not something that that you could do in one one particular book. So I, I have no yeah. problem with that being four issues. And it was, it was, it was a big story. Would it have been if if Alex Ross wasn't painting it? Would it have would it have needed to be? See some of those panels, some of those pages. You know, I mean, we didn't maybe have to spend so much time at the restaurant, but you know, when you see things happen between Superman and Captain Marvel, and and there's some big revelations happening, I'm on board if Alex Ross wants to take a whole page and and draw that, but and paint that, but um, that's where he excels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are some things where I mean, it's just like the 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 Justice, the twelve issue miniseries. It's like I don't know if that needed to be twelve issues, but it, again, it was pretty. And big. I have this thing. I have the issues. I don't have. I didn't have the. Um, that wasn't the. Uh, well, the oversized was was the single characters: the Batman, the Wonder Woman, the. No, I mean scope. Yeah, I wasn't. Oh, talking yeah, about... yeah. But I'm sorry. You're talking about physical. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, it was yeah, a scope, big story. Yeah, right. But it was it was like his super friends tale. Yeah, yeah. I like it when they get experimental and and quote artsy with the the Elseworlds, because I think it's the perfect format for that. Um, And your uh, audience will decide at the door whether they want to pay the entry fee. Mm -hmm. And it's not something... And You know they're not printing, or they didn't uh, print a bazillion of these things uh, in most cases. 
So it, it was more of a fun little treat to accompany the monthly books. And I looked forward to them. I thought they, I thought, I think the format's wonderful. I would love to see them continue. Um, again, I think they should be doing them now because they, you can't fail with an Elseworlds. If, if the story doesn't click, it was a done in one anyway. Move on to the next one. Right. I was, I was, I was, I was thinking about this today because the, the collection, um, that I read was, um, or that my stories are from is, um, Elseworlds Superman volume one, which contains six stories and not every one clicked with me. And, and some, I was just like, well, that they're trying to just based on the late nineties, when this particular story came out, they were just, they're just trying to cash in on whatever the fad was at the time. And that's fine. It, Cause that's, that's comics. But, um, there are, some that just maybe kind of, for me, might seem silly. Like if Superman's going to be fighting during the Civil War, and instead of the S, he's got the USA across his on, on his shield, and it 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 works because the S is still there and all. But but I just look at that and I think that's a little on the corny side for me. But if someone else reads that, and of course it's Eduardo Barreto, I mean that might just be one of their favorite alternative Superman right. stories ever. So if, so if something doesn't click with me, because you you were saying you know, yeah, I think. There should be a monthly Elseworlds. And I remember the monthly What If, and not every issue of What If was a winner. But just because I think I wasn't feeling, not I think, but if I wasn't feeling a particular issue, it doesn't mean that didn't sing for someone else. So I, I can't say squat. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see a What If, uh, what if and an Elseworlds every month. I'm just worried that that would water down the concept. But just because something's watered down to me doesn't mean someone else won't love that particular thing. It's also a perfect uh, arena to utilize the talents of our aging creators. Yes. You know, like who doesn't want to see a Mar or uh, uh, a Simonson? Um, and it pains me to say that Simonson is an aging creator, but, but who doesn't want to see a Simonson? What if like preload 12 of these things before you even solicit them, right get get the stories written get the artists working on them right and then just try it try a year of elseworlds one a month and see what happens and utilize talents that aren't on monthly books for whatever reason they can't do it or you know they can't meet a monthly schedule or they're they're you know getting up there in age but they're still damn good at what they do they can handle a 64 page one shot if you give them three four months to do it right why not DC, uh, you know, the parent company has the money. Throw some money at at, at uh, creators that we don't see every day. Let them do whatever they want to do with Superman. Who knows? You may get an evergreen title out of it. That's all, yeah. that's all I'm saying. I'd like to think you're on to something, but I feel like we go through previews every month, and there's both from Marvel and DC, there are stories by the OGs, uh, whether they be one shots or more often than not limited series that are their own things. Sometimes they're in a nostalgic set in a setting like when they were doing the book, but other times they're just their own stories. And I feel like they pretty much just get ignored by the market, don't they? Like Neil Adams is doing a book right now, right? Like, 
with Wade <laughs> on Fantastic Four. Yeah. Well, no, but you laugh, but, but I, you're like, I do laugh. Neil Adams, we, we have knelt at the altar. So Neil Adams and Mark Wade are writing a Fantastic Four book that's out of continuity. It's exactly what you're talking about. And I don't think like they've sold two copies of it. So well, what is it, a 12 issue? I don't I think know. it's either four or six, but yeah. I mean, to, to, to Jason's point, I, over the past few weeks, there was the, um, the power pack one shot that I talked about by Wheezy and Brigman. And there was the Roger Stern. It was Ron Lim, of course, because John's not with us anymore, but th- that Avenger set in the time when Roger Stern was writing the book. So yeah, I mean, Marvel is, is kind of embracing that we're 80 years old and we're going to bring back some of the creators that, I mean, Roger Stern and, and Eric Larson did a Spider-Man book. So, I yeah. mean, there's, there's, yeah. No, I just, I would, I would hope that they would be one shots, not four or six issue limited series because it's easy. Yeah, that, that could be the trick. A one yeah. shot could be the trick. It's easy to plunk down five, six bucks. For a nice, thick and and meaty read, don't make me buy three, four, five issues. Like, I, what if it sucks? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know that that's a lowbrow approach, but what if it's not any good? Then I'm in for six issues, and in 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 the flip side, I'm only in it for one. Where I have this thing. It's like remember when you used to buy albums when people used to actually buy music, and you'd get an album in. Maybe one song would draw you to it. So you bought the album and you played it and you're just like, okay, Uh, you know, not so great. But the more you dwelled upon it and the more you listened to it, things would bubble up and and, all right. So it's not, you know, Sergeant Pepper, but it's not bad. And and I feel like I got my money's worth for it. A single issue along that has like 64 pages you know it gives you time to mull it over and maybe revisit it because of the format you can pull it off the bookshelf you don't have to bag and board it it's another thing i never bagged and boarded elseworlds ever because the paper is of a quality that will resist better than standard paper uh the passage of time so all of my elseworlds if i want to read them i can go right to the bookshelf and pull it pull them off that's to me even more value for my dollar because accessibility is awesome and I don't have to scoot through back issue boxes to try and find this damn thing. It's right there on the bookshelf where it belongs. Now, pivoting slightly, I never read them. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know if you did. I doubt Jason has. Mm. Um, although actually, no, I have two. Second one he might have read. Uh, Vince, did you read any of the tangent stories. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I know that they... they, (laughs) Just randomly. Just randomly. Right. Okay. And I know that they tried to do a whole... um, They they, Originally, it was a fifth-week event, and then they they tried to, I think, bring them into the main DC Universe. But then there's also... A couple of them they did. The female Green Lantern with the hood. Right. Yeah, they brought her in. Um, No, I, I bought and read them all up until a certain point. And the other one was the Imagine Stanley. Fuck no. I'm not I reading know that. you would No, I'm not reading that. That was stuff. the one I thought Jason might have tried. Yeah, I read one or two of those. It's funny. We were talking, I think maybe last episode, Vince, you brought up the, wild, the old Wild Pig sales and how awesome those first few were. Yeah. I was, I, all of this stuff was Wild Pig. I was in line looking through long boxes back when I still like looking through long boxes. And somebody, I don't remember who, was like, oh, have you read the tangent stuff? And of course, at the time, I hadn't like, no, I, I, I haven't read much DC beyond what's coming out now. And uh, there was a slew of them, and they were like, oh, in a 
think it was like they were like twenty five or fifty cents each because the sale was ridiculous. And I got those. And then the Stanley stuff, yeah, I read a couple of those. I don't think I read them all, but I read a few of those when they were coming out because I thought, oh, that's novel. But they were pretty bad, as I recall. And I don't yeah. remember them very vividly, but I, I do remember thinking, oh, these are these are a cash grab. I remember thinking, like, oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's finally Stan's going to do some DC characters, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the tangent stuff was noteworthy, not only because I thought the stories were really good, but visually, the imprint, if you want to call it that, had a, had a very noticeable, um, cohesive look to this stuff. Uh, they used Fifth Inks, and uh, the design was not what one would expect for, for you know regular DC design. I thought... Uh, yeah, the line just worked for me right across the board. I remember liking the best. I think Sea Devils was awesome. Nightwing, who's not a character I glommed onto, uh, was very good. Uh, Green Lantern, Supergirl was excellent. And there was, I think there was one called Girl Crazy or Girl Frenzy, something like that. That was, was very good. I, I, th- I need to buy those collections because I, unfortunately, I don't have the issues anymore. See, and I, I mean, I know that they were a it's kind of a brainchild from Dan Jurgens, and and the man's more hit than miss with me. So I, it, it is something that I'd like to now that it's so far removed from the era that they were published in. I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to visit them. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Dan Jurgens. Uh, very, <laughs> very, you? yeah, very, very, very unappreciated artist. Um, I can't wait to get my hands on the power of Shazam. It's coming in my box. Same. I ordered it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, there's something about Dan Jurgens' work that is part novelty and part contemporary. Like, I don't think he's lost an ounce of his mojo over the years. And whenever I see his work, it's just this comfortable, fuzzy slipper. That makes me feel really good when it's around me. And I just, I, 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 I appreciate Jurgens' work so much. I don't know how to articulate, like, other than the fact that it's, it's something old, something new, and it's a recognizable style that, that it's just comfortable to me. But I think he does superhero comics really well. Um, shoulder to shoulder with some of the best that have ever done superhero comics. And it's just, when I see it, it just makes me feel, okay, you could drop your guard, rest a little bit, just enjoy this work. You know this guy, his work is, you his, You feel, you, you derive something from his work that goes beyond the printed page. Like, that's Dan Jurgens to me. I just find his work extremely compelling. I, I, I think, and ever since, for me, it's been ever since Booster Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know he did the he he, he did the the Time Hunters mini. He did. Uh, I mean, there were there were a couple of things that he did um, in the early '80s for DC before Booster Gold. Um, but but once Booster Gold hit the stands, and and with with the Mike DiCarlo inks, and I just I loved that book. I was there from the beginning, so it was one thing that was just like I, I felt like I had an attachment to because I was buying it from the first issue, and I kind of um, I just missed. First issue of Blue Devil at the time. I'd gone back and gotten it since then, and and same and and I I was on board with Blue Beetle from the start. So, um, it was just a sweet spot for me. And then to see Jurgens go to to Superman 
following Burns leaving, it's uh, it's pretty much been you know nonstop for me. And then of course he, he takes on takes over the Justice League after Giffen and, and Demetrius, and um, I yeah I, I I respect the man's output, and I he he's worked on characters that I have some sort of an attachment to, so um, we seem to be lined up in most cases, although it's funny now um, because one of the stories in the book reminded me about kind of why I don't particularly care for a certain character. And um, I did not order power of Shazam. I don't know what you're talking about, but we'll get into it at some point in time, I guess. Um, Can, um, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, can we, can we do a little sidebar before we forget, since it's a shorter bonus episode, two, uh, two things? Sure. A quick sidebar. Uh, just because last episode we were talking lovingly about Milestone, and unbeknownst, unbeknownst to us, the, it's official like a whistle. Fandom. Milestone's, Milestone's back. Yeah, I'm deep in it. I'm getting everything in single issues. All, all Yes. Yeah. No doubt. Well, there's not, well uh, time out. There's not much to get. Doesn't matter. I mean, like seriously. No, I'm saying like like. Well, I'm saying I, I don't. There. Well, let me try it another way. There are no single issues for you to get. No, no. Okay, that no. What? Well, I'm, I'm I'm saying I'm well uh, without knowing what the output's going to be like. I'm I'm saying that I'm supporting it regardless of what comes out because I want to see it continue. Oh, okay. If, well, I mean, if, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the announcement is that in February 2021. Milestone will be back with a Static Shock digital series. Hudlin, uh, Reggie, Reggie, Reggie Hudlin is writing it. Um, and then Hudlin is teaming up with Kyle Baker, woot woot, for a Static Shock graphic novel. Nice. I'm in. And then, and then Hudlin is teaming up with Dennis Cowan, woot woot, to write Icon and Rocket, a new ongoing series. So you, okay, so you will be able to buy the Icon and Rocket series and issues. Um. But that's it. That's all that's been announced beyond that. I, they, they didn't talk about the back catalog, although they did say they were going to be digitizing it. So I presume that if they're digitizing it, they're also going to make it available in Omnibu or hardcover form, too, because that's Excellent. a market they always have, I assume. Yeah. But that was not confirmed. Um, and, uh, yeah, but it's – I mean, clearly the legal issues we were referring to that we were kind of nebulous on uh, have been cleared up, which is nice. awesome. So. Which is good because – uh, looking solely at hardware, the, it's the cheapness almost across the entire board until you start creeping up towards f- issue 50, then they get kind of expensive. Yeah, so I would much rather, if they do two 25-issue omnibus, they're mine. Yeah, um, and I was just going to add before, uh, the to the Jurgens love, another guy, that I feel very much the same way about is Jerry Ordway. Yes, 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 yes. Just to throw some more love around for all of the reasons why uh, I I love Jurgens. I love Ordway for the pretty much the same reasons. Yep. I guess it's a Superman connection. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's the Superman connection. Um, There's uh the All Star Squadron Infinity in connection for me. There's the um Stop. There's the <laughs> there's the um the very few pages he inked over on on 
eating John Burnon of uh, Fantastic Four. And um, yeah, I just I I love the way he. I mean, as 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 more of a slender version, Jurgens draws Superman. Um, Ordway reminds you of that Wayne Boring barrel-chested era. Yeah. Um, I I you know it, it's same thing with you know John Bogdanov. It, it's there are certain vision versions of Superman I picture, and um, and Ordway is is definitely up there. Dude, give Bogdanov an Elseworld Superman like tomorrow. <laughs> Begging you. What Elseworlds? What if the death of Superman storyline? Strongman story that he kickstarted. Hey, I don't care what he tells. Just I know. give me some Bogdanov art. Yeah, dude, Wildstar, that image. Oh, oh come on, that was Order, the yes. shit. Yeah, that was that was that's crazy. Stop. All right, but the theme you probably <laughs> don't know, but the theme of this episode is Elseworlds. That was memory lane. Yeah, Jason, you want to start us off? I'd love to. I'd love to. I, I cheated a little bit. I did a Vince. That's oh. okay. You're in good company. I, yep. I read I read two. It's all right. You can bookend us then. Oh, I respect. I uh, respect. Um, let me see. which uh, I'm trying to think which I want to start with. I'll start. Okay. So of the two, I won't say what the second one is yet, but the, the one I think has more provenance in terms of the creators and probably would be regarded as the far better written of the two the other which i'm going to talk about right now is the one i enjoyed of the two more if that makes sense um this one is uh, from 1997 and it is in fact um one it's a one shot like you guys were talking about 64 pages i believe and it is uh called justice riders have you read it no I picked it for two reasons because I was looking through all the, the 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 choices I had in front of me and the cover is this uh, almost like die cut wood burned wood etched uh western uh image and then I saw who drew it Mr. J H Williams the 3rd <laughs> and I thought what the what now there is one caveat full disclosure it was written by Chuck Dixon Okay. You know, not exactly a guy we're crazy about bigging up these days, but the facts are the facts. He wrote a lot of DC and Marvel comics back in the day, and uh, I read quite a few of them when he was writing for Marvel. And uh, so I I wrestled that for a minute, but I thought, you know what? It's it's a nostalgia trip. I'm gonna go ahead and dive in, and I'm glad I did. Um, as you might imagine, with what I've already said, it is an Elseworlds where the core DC characters are. Uh, set in the old west and i love westerns and i love stories about getting a gang or a team together and that's exactly what this is very simple straightforward right you got 64 pages it's diana prince is the sheriff of paradise how quaint and she is off away from paradise rounding up some horse thieves uh her loyal deputy Oberon is uh, sitting in the jail, looking bored, having a conversation with the gentleman who is awaiting his fate in the holding tank. And uh, that is none other than Mr. Felix Faust. And uh, they're chit-chatting. Suddenly a giant explosion happens. And uh, 
Wonder Woman sees her from afar, comes galloping in over the ridge and sees that her entire town of paradise is now laid to waste. And it's been completely leveled. Every person was vaporized. There's no water in the wells. Uh, all the glass is melted. It's just completely gone. Um, so needless to say, she's got uh, she's got some some vengeance on her hands. So what does a good Western law abider who's got some vengeance do? They get a posse together. And so that's what she does. She goes about getting a posse together. And uh, I loved it. So first she meets up with the young, crazy, spry sharpshooter uh, who happens to be masked to hide his identity. And it's none other than Kid Flash, Mr. Wallace West. And then they uh, are then they are introduced to I mean, she's not recruiting, but then in walks a. Uh, a Natalie dressed gentleman in an all black costume with a black hat and a little yellow lapel pin offering his services. And that's Booster Gold. And hmm. at first they're like, go screw. But uh, but that's not the last you'll see of Booster Gold. Uh, then they carry on onto their journey, trying to find the ne'er-do-wells to figure out where Felix Foss went and um, come across a uh, a, um, a Native American um, named uh, Katar. And, uh, of course, that is none other than Hawkman. And so he, he's got history with Diana from back in the day. So he says, hold on, let me get my ride. And uh, K- Kid Flash is like, well, wait a minute. You don't have a horse. I don't see a horse. And he's like, bruh, I don't need a horse. And comes out in his wings doing his thing. Looking all badass and shit. Then you get an interstitial, and Booster walks into a little curiosity shop, and on the sign it says "Beetles, Machines, and Weapons." And he walks in further, and it's all dark. And sitting in the dark is an odd-looking little fellow wearing a bow tie and old, like, goofy goggles and little metal antennas sticking out of his hat. And of course, that's Ted Cord, the Blue Beetle, and. uh Aside from being an arms salesman, because it's the Old West and every town needs an arms salesman, he happens to be a bit of a tinkerer. And uh, he basically uh, gives Booster some uh, added firepower to combat uh, quick draws. And uh, the reason he wants to do that is because uh, Kid Flash used his speed to absolutely embarrass Booster Gold at the saloon earlier. Uh, so then, you know, they get on their way, sort of trying to meet, meet up with, with Diana and whatnot. Uh, and then you fade over and you see where Felix Faust has ended up after his j- prison break. And uh, he's working for a certain East Eastern Railroad Baron who's trying to move west and cap and capitalize on the vast wealth that's out there. And uh, that's Mr. Maxwell Lord, who's the villain in this. And uh, Maxwell hates humans. So he has used his wealth to build a vast array of killer robots. Uh, and they're kind of like doing his bidding along with Faust. So um, basically, Lord is cool with everything until he hears that Diana is the sheriff of Paradise, and he's clearly nervous about having a run-in with her uh, because it seems like they've had a past. So um, the story continues, and uh, and there's a the robots show up to take out Flash and Diana, sort of head them off at the pass quite literally, and uh, out of nowhere, a giant array of massive bullet fire comes and destroys the robots. And who's standing there with a portable battle uh, Gatling gun called the Beetle 17 other than Mr. Booster Gold? So he and Beetle prove their worth and they become part of the posse too. A.K.A. welcome the Justice Riders. Uh, they continue. They're at a campfire, as you always see in a Western movie, just sort of biding time uh, at night. And uh, a mysterious person sidles up at the campfire. They don't hear him coming. And it looks like he's got a bit of green tinge skin. 
Yep, it's none other than John Johns. And he, too, has history with Diana and offers his services. And she says, sure, let's do it. You know, I, I come along for the ride. And then we get to flash to the D, to the D bag of the story. And this is where I get to my intro, Vince. A certain red-haired gentleman walks off a train, pays a boy for his satchels and cases to be brought off the train, and asks if anyone can lead him to a certain young man named Wallace West because he's got a job to do. Well, it turns out that this guy is a Pinkerton named Guy Gardner. And Guy Gardner is also known as the Manhunter. And he's got a bunch of giant weapons on him. And it's his job to track down Wallace West because Wallace is wanted for the murder of a sheriff from another town named Barry Allen. It's fucked Oof. up. Wow. Yeah, while, while he killed Barry, or so it seems. So he's tracking them down, too, for his own volition because he wants to carry out this bounty. Uh, yeah, and then from there, you, you know, if you're familiar with, with, with Western movies, you see how this is going. They, they, they get the crew together. They ride until they get to uh, Hell Dorado, which is the name of Maxwell Lord's town. When they get there, it's very modern. It's far more modern than you see in the Old West. There are giant industrial smokestacks and all kinds of machinery, and, and, and it, it's, it looks more, much more modern, like it's from the 50s or 60s or, or, or later, 1960s. Um, and it turns out, of course, that Maxwell Lord isn't some genius inventor. He's got someone that he has that's giving him all of this technology. And that, it turns out, is why John Johns is along for the ride, because he had heard about this, and he had his own score to settle. So they go into the town and have a great Western shootout. Uh, spoiler, the good guys win. Turns out that uh, Maxwell Lord's riches and all of his inventions and technology come from uh, a Dominator. Because this is, what, a few years after uh, Invasion, right? That's their name, right? The Dominators? Yeah. You yeah. betcha. Those, those, yeah. yeah. Um, who he had imprisoned. And John Johns wants the Dominator and wants to, I assume, take him off of the Earth. Um, they have their comeuppances with Maxwell Lord and Felix Faust. And just when they think they've won... They hear a rumble, and out comes this gigantic locomotive-looking. It's half like the bottom is a giant black locomotive, and the top is a is a almost like a Transformers-looking mech with all kinds of guns coming out of it. And it's none other than Lord Havoc. Yeah, I love that page. Oh, you, oh so you have read this? Yes, read this. yes. Oh. Uh, you didn't um, tell us what it was, but once you started getting into it, I'm like, yeah, I read that. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so they have to battle Lord Havoc. Of course, they succeed vanquish maxwell lord and uh and ride off into the sunset quite literally um it's it's in many ways a completely predictable western trope i mean it's it's a western story by the numbers but it's 64 pages right it's it's you get in you get out that's the beauty of a western story i think is that there's a wrong the wrong needs writing and the good guys write the wrong like that is the crux of a classic western story that's exactly what this is yep there's no there's no needless backstory or or flashbacks or or you don't you don't get a three-page flashback as to how diana and and john john's knew each other just a quick word like they had known each other before and they're going to work together again is all you need and um the 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 one of the more interesting components of this is that jh williams it looks great it looks fantastic but this is not like fully formed jh williams like this isn't promethea or uh batwoman jh williams yet you know, yeah, it is on the cusp, though. Yeah, yeah, no, no. The line is still is there, but the creativity of the panel layout, um, not really there in this book. A little more conventional in that regard, but still amazing to see. Uh, especially because I thought I was pretty familiar with all the stuff he had done 
but I guess this was being a one shot was easy to fly under the radar. Um, and look, I mean, Chuck Dixon is a serviceable writer, and this was a serviceable story. I mean, again, I'm not saying this should have won an Eisner. I'm not saying that this is one of the greatest uh, Elseworld stories ever made because um, I haven't read most of them. But it was exactly what I wanted. It was Justice League characters in the Old West doing their thing with very clear purpose, and the good guys won. So two huge thumbs up. Say what you will about Dixon. He gets the pulp characters, or the the pulp aesthetic, because more often than not, those characters themselves and the time in which they were created was a very conservative time. And so that fits in with his mindset, right? So uh, westerns, you know, the noir stuff, Dixon gets it. I, I wouldn't say he's the most... Uh, flowery, experimental, or or risk taking writer, but he does what he does, right? I, I don't want to give the guy uh, hyperbolic praise, but he deserves a certain amount of credit for what he does. Any what he does, he does relatively well, I think. So yeah, maybe he's not the poster child for the the uh, our current times. He's a man out of time, but he's not horrible at what he does. Did, no, uh, my yeah, my issue with with Chuck is not at all his his right right his his proficiency at his craft. It's it's more his worldviews outside of his craft. Same same. Yeah. Um, did you know that there was a John Jones uh, Justice Riders HeroClix figure? Wow, nice, crazy, right? And <laughs> that this Justice Riders uh, one shot was not the last appearance of some of these characters. Oh, nice. Now, the uh, Hawkman from Justice Riders showed up in Countdown Arena, of all things. Wow. Yeah, well, you know the the premise behind Countdown Arena, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I probably read that issue. I just forgot. I didn't have any connection to it at the time. Yeah, uh, Justice Riders Hawkman fought Batman Beyond. That is awesome. Yeah, and I pulled the uh, the promo for uh, Countdown Arena because it features an absolutely gorgeous Art Adams montage just amazing uh red rain batman versus red sun superman uh dark knight returns batman versus watchman's rorschach like come on yeah, yeah. fanboy uh vibrating bed that's what it is so, uh so it's it'll be in the the image gallery for this episode is it safe to presume that watchman was originally intended to be in elseworlds because it was initially supposed to be Charlton characters, or was that still not count? That's a tough call. I don't know how to answer that question. I don't even. I don't even think I want to touch it. <laughs> that, no, I mean it clearly isn't Elseworlds. Yeah, in in, in its canon. I, I'm wondering if that was had they let Alan use the Charlton characters, though. I wonder if. Yeah, I don't know. It mm-hmm. it, it is Watchmen. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know. I, no. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really. Th- I was really. I thought it was quite. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I it, it was exactly what you guys were saying at the beginning. It was just fun to read a story with no consequences, no worry about well that doesn't make sense or what happened after that or how come we never heard about that follow up. It just what happened happened, and then like you said, for all I knew, we never saw that those iterations of these characters again, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, just enjoyable comics reading. Mm-hmm. Right, unfettered. Um, I'll throw down and then, uh, because I only read one, I wasn't overachievers like the both of you. I only read one and I, uh, investigated 
a tale written slash adapted by Roy Thomas. Rascally Roy, illustrated by the great Steve Pugh, with color art by Patricia Mulville Hill, and it was released in 2002, which is kind of late in the, the Elseworlds game. It is called JLA, The Island of Dr. Moreau. Big surprise that I read this, right? It starts off with a man named Lucas Carr. And henceforth, I shall call him Sir Snapper. Uh, he's the Edward Pen- uh, Prendick of um, Thomas's reimagining of the original Island of Dr. Moreau by H.G. Wells. Snapper was a passenger aboard a ship called the Lady Vane, and it smashed into a, a sunken vessel and joined said sunken vessel, leaving Carr adrift for eight days. It's the same premise as uh, Wells' novel. Um, he has no food, no water. His life is fading away, and he's picked up by a trading schooner about uh, for an island off the coast of Africa. And this ship contains uh, a character called Professor Edward Evo, a.k.a. Anthony Ives, a.k.a. Professor Evo, the creator of Amazo, in regular continuity. Um, and along with Professor Evo, there's this hulking, massive being with scaly skin and a green pallor known as Komodo. And Komodo's the Martian Manhunter analog in Roy's story. And uh, Carr's like, what's the deal with your buddy? Like, he's green. He, he, his scales look like a lizard. What the hell's going on? And Evo passes it off as uh, Komodo being in the tropics for too long. Yeah, it affected his skin, which is a whole load of hooey because um, Carr hears an altercation topside and he decides, you know, maybe it'd be a good thing if I investigate my new surroundings. So he goes up, up. Uh, what do you call it when you go up uh, on decks? He goes on deck, and um, a row erupts between Captain Davis and Evo. It appears the captain is not pleased at all with what Evo's cache of live animals is doing to his ship. They're crapping all over the place. They're making a mess of the, the joint. Um, among the animals, you got a giant porcupine. Uh, a massive bear, an eagle, there's a wolf, and they're basically turning his ship into a stinking shithole. And he says, you know, I was a fool to take this commission on. And he instructs his men, get rid of this vermin, get them off the ship, and he shoves Evo. And when he does, that earns him a, a brutal punch to the head from Komodo. And so what does the captain do? He pulls a gun, and he, he's all shaking, he's leveling the gun, and a voice breaks the 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 tension of the scene uh, from a nearby dock and stops them all dead in their tracks and it's Dr. Moreau and he's flanked by his cre- his creations and they arrive to save the day and so who is he flanked by well you have Barnardus which is a manlike creature with the countenance of a saint bernard and he has one arm that terminates in a mass of writhing electric eels. And Bernardus can unleash a barrage of electricity. So if you haven't drawn that line, uh, Bernardus is the Hal Jordan of the tale. Then you have Jubatus, who was born a cheetah. 
and transformed by the doctor into an amazingly fast amalgamation in red with a yellow lightning bolt on his chest. Don't have to explain it, do I? Uh, my favorite and the pride of Dr. Moreau is Diana. She was a female albino gorilla, tweaked to massive proportions. And she's decked out in uh, American flag regalia. So I think she's alternately uh, horrifying and incredibly sexy, the way Steve Pugh draws her. But that's just me. Um, and Delphinius. Jason, this is for you. Delphinius began his life as a dolphin. He's an anthropomorphic, yeah, boy. An anthropomorphic do- dolphin. And, of course, the Aquaman of the tale. And together, they are Dr. Moreau's Justifiers of Law to the Anointed, or JLA for short. And along the way, we get to see Moreau work his infernal magics on a couple of new additions. You have Dearest Falconis, which is a blend of hawk and wolf. Obviously, he's the Hawkman analog. Um, the one that gave me a little bit of side-eye action is a blend of porcupine and black bear called Black Arrow, who can unleash his quills on command or as he desires. And basically, you know, he's the green arrow of the group. But as in Wells's novel, Moreau has imparted a set of rules to his creations. We are not lawless, feral animals. We are men, and you shall live by these rules. And the rules are, are simple. Evil are the punishments for those who break the law. None escape. Not to go on all fours. And they keep saying as they, they re, re, recite this list of rules, they, they, they finish it with, Are we not men? And I always wanted to reply, No, you're Devo. But I didn't, because that would be silly. Um, rule number three, not to pursue other men. Not to claw the bark of trees. Not to suck up drink. And the most important rule should be number one, but they leave it at the end to give that slam bang punch, that stinger at the end, not to eat flesh. It is expressly verboten, forbidden, do not eat flesh because you're not animals anymore. You're men and you should act like men, right? His creations are extremely devoted to Moreau. It gets creepy. Uh, they regard him as a god. And all they want to do is obey him and worship him, right? Because his is the house of pain. His is the hand that makes, that wounds, that heals. And his are the stars in the sky. They have elevated this Victor Frankenstein-like character to godhood. He's everything to these char- to these creatures. I don't even want to call them creatures. He's everything to these beings, right? They genuflect at his altar. He's their lives, right? So... Moreau wants to indoctrinate his creations into civilized society, which is basically an excuse for him to receive the adulation and praise he so deeply craves, right? And he brings Carr, Evo, and the clan to England, and he throws a presser. Well, it doesn't go well, right? Uh, The press is aghast. Most assume it's a joke or a trick. Like, what is this, a a sideshow act? You get a freak show? You got a bunch of weird-looking... Uh, amalgamations of beast and man this is this is weird and and Moreau unwisely asks Bernardus for an example of what he's capable of 
and he raises his arm in the air and he unleashes this blinding flash of electric energy and the the cops in the press corps go nuts they they rush the uh Moreau's clan and the the JLA or I, I should call them uh, the, I guess I'll just call them the JLA because the justifiers sounds weird, right? So they they, they rush the JLA and they th- the and the man animals think they're being attacked, right? Fight or flight, and so they return what they're given, and it it just turns really ugly really fast. And one of the press who's caught in um, Hawkman's. Uh, talents. He's like, you guys are so great. Why don't you go and track down the Ripper? And so then Roy Thomas injects the mythology of Jack the Ripper into the mix. So you just don't get the island of Dr. Moreau. You get the Jack the Ripper story too. And that's where the story takes a very disastrous turn. And the justifiers become peacekeepers. And they're, they, they roam the streets of, uh, sundown England looking for Jack the Ripper and they eventually find him right on the very night that Mary Kelly was murdered I I won't reveal the identity of the Ripper but Roy Thomas plants a very uh, uh, potent seed early in the book pay attention because Hmm. it, it pops up at the end and but finding the Ripper leads the justifiers into calling into question many of all of Moreau's laws uh, and they transform those laws to mesh with their new status quo see Moreau thought that integrating them into civilized society would squelch and eventually eliminate that that bestial nature but the inverse turns out to be true it doesn't end well at all um, I don't know how much I can I should say uh, it'll deaden, even though this was published in 2002, it'll deaden the sting of the the ending. So let's just leave it at, it's a very dark ending. Um, but I thought it was really curious and, and, and welcome to me that Roy chose not to include analogs for Superman and Batman. Because in my mind, if you don't have the Trinity, you don't have the Justice League. But he sidesteps that pretty well. Um, I, I was thinking, well, how would he have done uh, a Batman analog would have been easy, uh, yeah. but a Superman analog, how would you do that with uh, a creation that was born on the operation table? Like, how do you do it? I, I'm, I'm Roy's very talented. I'm sure he could have done it, but it just it's it speaks to me that he set out to not include these two characters, which I thought was very, like I said, very curious, um, but it was also very welcome. Like, I, I I, do love the Superman and Batman Elseworlds, but to see the Justice League survive without the big two, with only one of the Trinity, it worked for me very well. And Roy's very familiar with the original novel because he, he examines a lot of the themes from the OG um, you know, how fluid morality is uh, when under fire. Like in the book, some of the animals resort to cannibalism after Moreau expressly forbid it. And 
once they engaged in this forbidden activity, they're like, yeah, this is the shit, yo. This is the stuff. I like this. And part of that happens – a good amount of that happens in this book too. Like um, the the justifiers engage in activities that uh, Moreau would definitely not condone and it doesn't end well. So it it, it leads one to ask the question – does not adhering to a strict moral code lead to disaster and basically that's the should one tamper with the the like dr frankenstein should one tamper with the the uh stuff of gods should should one even if they have the ability should they create new life and it's it's in the zone with mary shelley's work i i thought it was phenomenal uh roy is certainly able as a writer he just nailed it but um, had he not been paired with Steve Pugh, I don't think uh, it's it's silly to say had not have not being able to see what it would look like had someone else draw it. But with Steve Pugh at the controls, holy crap, is it gorgeous! It is just amazing. His Diana, there are times when she is a goddess. Um, she's an albino gorilla, though. There are there are times when she's as uh, sexy as her. DC Universe counterpart, but then when she just turns feral, yikes, she is extremely frightening. Um, and the safe, you know, Bernardus, he looks like a dog. He's, he's the faithful companion who could just happens to have electric eels grafted to his arm, you know. Um, Hawkman is very strange looking, as is Komodo. Um, but you need a little bit of the, the alien to sell this, right? The strange. I thought it was wonderful. If if you uh, can stumble upon this bad boy in a back issue bin, snap it up. Because in the the true Elseworlds format, it's a one issue. You know, you're done. And I think it's something you can go back to um, over and over again. When uh, the Justifiers actually corner the Ripper, that scene, and it'll be in the gallery, is just gorgeous. The shadow play, it is magnificent. And it, it's not a spoiler because... When they when they barge into his his uh, hidey hole and he's got women strung up in the background, um, the facial features of the Ripper is all in shadow, so you can't really tell who it is. It's the next page when the the reveal comes. So I'm not spoiling anything for anybody, but just check mm. out this art, man. Whew. Uh Steve Pugh, good good lord, this man. I always loved his work. Yeah. Yeah. He annihilated Grimjack. His Grimjack work is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, JLA, The Island of Dr. Moreau, well worth your time. And it's Rascally Roy. Boom. Yeah. Love it. Um, I'm going to save my Roy for later. You got a Roy, too. I, I had got a Roy, too. I had no idea. <laughs> right? Um, I knew it. I'll, I'll, uh, but this is the one that, that I, I did read too. Like I said, this is from the, the, the Elseworlds Superman collection. Um, and of the six stories, which are all gorgeous, whether it's Jose Luis Garcia Lopez or Eduardo Barreto, um, there's a great pairing of Jose with inks by Mark Farmer, and it is some of the most beautiful pages i've ever seen in comics and even though the story itself isn't something that sunk me um 
because it's about Superman who uh, uh, a a per a, he, he was run over as a baby, and um, the man who ran him over dropped him off at a uh, at a home, and and that's kind of where he grew up, and and you know never knowing who he was, and um, ends up playing basketball and becomes basketball. It's called Superman Inc. And it's, it's, it's a crazy fucking story. It's by, it's by Steve Vance. It's, it's nuts. It's not, like I said, it's, it's, I never read it, but it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, but the one I'm talking about first is Superman distant fires. This is one that, um, Vincent suggested, uh, because it's one I had never read. And why did you suggest this Vince? Kane. So, and, and Kevin Nolan. And yes, yes, the art is stunning. It's it's it, what I what I love about this pairing is you could still tell it's Gill, and there are moments where Nolan still honors, still respects what Gill had done, um, but Kevin adds his little flourishes to it and and as um as pretty as gil kane's women tend to be when um when you have kevin nolan finishing um it's that much better but this is written by howard shaken which is fantastic but the story is um is set in a post-apocalyptic setting um we're not bogged down with Superman not being able to fight off the missiles or preventing anything from happening. The missiles have been fired. Um, the earth is close to destroyed. Rats are larger. Pigeons are larger. Um, any human survivors are turning into mutants. Um, but Superman cannot, he, he wasn't able to save anyone. He wasn't able to save Lois. He wasn't able to save Jimmy or Perry. Um, his uh his his parents are gone and he he hasn't left metropolis metropolis is in ruins and and it is it's 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 a destructed background as 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 clark kent is toiling the fields uh trying to grow anything um but as he says it's an exercise in futility right off the bat i i Totally, am, am a Howard Shaken fan, whether he's writing or drawing. Um, but there are times. This is one of those stories where I'm glad it's a one shot. I'm glad he's telling this story because his. And again, it's in Elseworlds, so it's not like you know he's writing during the Triangle Era, and and you get Howard Shaken every week for months on end. This is this is a very. Um, uh, flowery Clark Kent. The story is told in um, kind of in the past tense. He's, he's, he's telling the story as, as it was happening. Uh, but he, he is, he's very, um, he, it's almost, it, it, it verges on literature almost. It's, it's not exactly the way I would, I've I've grown to expect Superman to speak or think. Um, 
there are some moments where you know he's he's thinking back to the olden days it's like the olden days it was like you know weeks ago when you know the sun was shining and birds were singing and i mean there there are moments where superman is there and and loud and you know it's superman but there are moments where because he's he's alone and he's talking to himself and he's thinking to himself and he's got nobody to bounce any ideas off of he thinks he's talking to his friends he thinks he's talking to lois um thinks he's talking to lex luther that um you know you can kind of forgive him with this slightly bent way of um carrying himself because this is all unusual to him, but you can always tell when an Elseworld story is happening because of the version of certain characters. Like, you know, this is the nineties because Lex Luthor is a little on the pudgy side as he was when he was president Luthor and uh, post my Australian stepson is myself Luthor. Um, so, you know, just in case you weren't sure if it was which version, which era, Superman, this is, you can kind of tell by Lex, but uh, Clark finally listens to Lois's, in quotes, advice. And um, and she says, you know, maybe it's time you left Metropolis behind, find out why you survived and learn as to whether or not if you're truly alone. So, um, so he does. He starts walking and uh, he, he stumbles upon these mutants who have... Um, kind of landed on cannibalism and they travel in packs and there is a um there's a cat that they have captured they've cornered and they're going to eat this cat and for whatever reason clark is just like no no you know and and clark kent has a um a russian made automatic weapon and he's firing at the um the mob and they scatter and um Clark is trying to calm the cat down. Cat's not having any part of it. Cat's kind of, it, kind of like um, turning in. It, it, it's about the size of maybe a little smaller than Battle Cat. It, it's just so it's it's not like it's you know the house cat. It's it, it's a mutated little larger cat. Clark can actually Clark is able to get on the cat's back, tames it a bit after having some fun as they right around and about a year goes by he makes his way across the country um and they end up on a wooded area that looks like it's been untouched by any uh disaster they find a stream of water um cat starts drinking clark just hops in and they're being watched so um a lasso, I'd say a golden lasso, reaches out, snares the cat's paw. Um, before Clark can grab it, he is attacked by a woman who throws him into the water. He fights her off, gets on top of her, and before he can land a blow, recognizes that it is Diana, princess of the mascara and... Um, and she didn't recognize him with his beard and his little bit of a longer hair. So um, they're happy to have found each other. She says, come, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you home. You can see the others. And he's surprised to hear about others. And they get there and um, 
they've kind of just turned there's huts and and a makeshift village um and you see people like wally west who is missing a leg he didn't uh he didn't escape the disaster um in one piece and there is uh there's john john jones is as martian manhunt pretty much once this destruction happened everybody's kind of lost their powers um, because Superman can't get charged by the sun because of the um, because of the radiation in the sky, and he's he's not getting recharged. Wonder Woman's pretty much depowered. Um, Martian Manhunter is staying in Martian form. Uh, so John is talking to the community. Um, you know, he's 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 talking about uh, the um, fighting back cannibals and the other uh the the warring factions if you want to say uh so while he's he's talking to them we see other members in the group and that includes scott free and his wife barda guy Gardner is there and this is so, so superman is is doing the roll call and he goes so um when he was the martian manhunter john was always something of a stiff uh, Scott Free, on the other hand, always had the common touch, helped in no small measure by his wife, Big Barda. Guy Gardner, on the other hand, is someone whose heroic appeal always escaped me. Wonder Woman's old nemesis, the cheetah, trapped by the Holocaust in her animal persona, is an odd addition to what I thought was a village of heroes, but the Joker is the biggest shock in that regard. And Billy Batson, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, reacts with a surprising coolness as he recognizes me and Billy's the first one to really see Superman to see Clark in the throng of people. And then, um, when, uh, while an argument is, is breaking out amongst the, uh, the members of, of, of the group, um, Joker says, well, we've been fighting. It looks like we've got a newcomer who needs to be welcomed. And Diana's like, well, he used to be called Superman. It's just plain old Clark Kent now. And and someone says, so that's who he hit out as. And and But all while this is happening, Billy Batson is just looking at, he's just, he's got this really, I'm, 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 he's, he's kind of like got a price grudge look on his face for some reason. And he's just, he's, he's. He's Superman is welcomed by everybody, but he's a little overwhelmed. Um, gets a little bit of an anxiety attack, has to run out of the room. Um, but he recognizes Matrix, who was a um, was a shapeshifter, who was Supergirl for a while, um, and he recognizes Matrix. Matrix recognizes Clark, uh, who he reminds him is Kal El. Um, and the rest of the community starts coming around to Clark and, you know, talking about how, um, how it's great, you know, that he's made it there and we're so happy you found us. And Billy all sidles up to Diane. He's like, that's right, Diana. And I, and Wonder Woman's like, Bill, please, you and I are ancient history. And again, now Billy Batson's got this look on his face. And as I'm reading this story, I'm reminded that I don't know, I don't know if this is a Howard Shaken thing. I don't know if this is just a story where it's like, listen, we need to have um, a foil for Superman uh, or if this is, you know, they had a good thing going with Kingdom Come, so let's keep that rivalry going. But 
even when I think back to the Rich Buckler DC Comics Presents issues and um, not so much the, the, the Fawcett reprints from Wiz, but, but ever since he's kind of been a DC character, I just, I've never really been a huge Captain Marvel fan. I never, you know, it's, it's not one of those things where I'm like, you know, Oh, he's just a also ran Superman. It was never that it really wasn't. I just, I don't know. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was the kid thing. I don't know if it was the the little short Cape. I don't know. I, I don't know what it was about Captain Marvel that just never really made me go, Oh snap. It's a Captain Marvel comic. It's total bullshit is what it is. I know it is. Total it is. unequivocal sorry. bullshit. I should, have, I should have said this to you over 12 years ago. I'm sorry. But um, that's the thing about this book. I love it. I love that Shaken gives Diana and Clark their moment. If yep. you pair Superman with Wonder Woman, oh, my God, my heart just explodes. Like, I don't hate Lois, but I think Superman should be with Wonder Woman. <laughs> but anyway, and Batman. So it's it's a it's a love triangle. Trinity. There you go. So it's true Trinity. I love the inclusion of Matrix. That was brilliant. Yes. But it just reinforces the notion that sometimes Shaken can be a prick. And, I think so. And here you they, go. You're you're tarnishing the legacy. Well, he's not tarnishing, but he's perverting no. the legacy right. of one of the I most mean, honest characters in the in in yes. comics. And that's the thing. Yes, God, you gotta fuck with Captain Marvel. Why? He's he's he's. I mean, he's he's a he's a little boy. It's there's nothing like how how do you say like you really have to get into some real psychological shit if you want to try to say like at least with Kingdom Come, it's like listen, he just it wasn't that Billy Batson grew up. He just he stayed Captain Marvel all these years, and and it's like you know there. I think. You have to have somebody. You have to give somebody the chance to grow up to mature. And if 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 you're if you're just a little boy, who can become grown man, um, you know, there's some people who would probably take advantage of that. There are definitely some people who would take advantage of that and 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 use it for ill-gotten gains. And it's conceptually sound, but it still stings nonetheless. Just he's yes. basically butthurt because he can't get the. Diana's right, and that's, and that's the thing. So, so after um, while, um, you know, months pass, and and Superman and and Wonder Woman are an item, but Billy sees them from um, up on their little penthouse suite, and then he goes running out into the into the woods, and he he's like, "To hell with Clark Kent, and to hell with Superman!" And then he screams Shazam, and he turns into Captain Marvel again. Which is the first time it's it's happened since since the disaster, um, and he's just flying around. He's like, no one can stop me. I'm the world's mightiest mortal. And then lightning strikes again, and he becomes Billy Batson again. Crashes to the ground, um, feeling all dejected, and and he's like, Superman, it's always Superman. And he just kind of storms off. A little while later, months pass. We see and. Um, John Jones has united Kal-El of Krypton and Diana of Themyscira as man and wife. Um, as Superman's writing his memoirs while Diana's sleeping. And, and you start to see that um, some abilities for the folks in the community have returned. Um, you know, Superman has felt Wally West frustration as he's watched his protege, Powell Lewis, disappear in a blur. Uh, but I can't mask my joy as those of us once gifted with the power of flight 
take to the air, some clumsily, some with grace, but all with gratitude. Um, and then our son Bruce is born. And I still worry about Billy Batson. And, and we were never close in the old days, but I've always felt behind that friendly smile that he concealed a mountain of resentment for me. And, and I, it just, for whatever reason, this, I don't want to say that this just, it's an Elseworlds still, so it's not like it's set in continuity. It, it, I'm not, it sort of kind of reaffirms what I've always kind of felt. I, it just, it was, it's unfortunate that DC has already had Superman, that here's Captain Marvel, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, is, can be as powerful, but it's just like, we've already got Superman. So, so he's, he's just, Captain Marvel's always going to kind of take a backseat and, and, and he shouldn't. And I know that they've tried so many times with so many series and, and you've got some great creators on the character, but it's just, but something never really clicks and, and it and doesn't have the staying power, it seems. And I, I don't know what it, I don't know what's going to, what it would take to change. I know the, the, the John's Eagle Sham book looks great. He's got the whole family there now. And that's what, you know, they, they ran with that with the movie, which is, I, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, but yeah, it's it's just they use Captain Marvel here to be really pissed off about Superman being back. And there's a beautiful panel where it really doesn't look like Gil Kane because because Kevin Nolan really went to town in a good way on the face. And and um, and all Billy's thinking about is, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Captain Marvel again and I'll lead my people back to the way of our true destiny and inherit the earth and master it. And, and I will lead with that with, with Diana at my side to conquest. And he's like that, that time will come and soon. And, and he, he riles up the community says that, uh, you know, we're, we're, it's time for the humans. It's time for humanity to serve us. We've, they've, they've depended on us for so long. We've, we've helped them. We've got nothing in return for it. It's about time that tables have turned and, 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 you know, they owe it to us. And Superman's like, what are you talking about, bro? It, it's like, you know, we weren't granted these powers in order to impose our will on the world. And, and Billy's like, yeah, speak for yourself, Kent, you know, and there are a lot of people who agree with Billy, I, I guess the Republicans. So they all decide to, uh, they leave. Half the half half the town, half the village leaves, um, and and builds his own. So so Billy and his crew build their own own village, um, quite different than Champion, the 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 village that that Superman and Wonder Woman are overseeing. Um, Billy has in in true Trump fashion has has you know no more travel in and out. It, it's like visitors from Champion are no longer welcome here. Um, and this was, um, you know, it's been three years since Batson took his people and left to form Marvel city. And from what our visitors have told us on their return, you couldn't find two more different towns. Now, of course, those visits are over since Batson has cut off all relations with us. Ironically enough, Captain Marvel had the best reason of all heroes to act childish. He was a child, but that was then. And now there is little excuse for his acting like a petulant boy. While my own boy, Bruce, grows in leaps and bounds, both Diana and I worry about the world in which he'll come to manhood. And we find out that Arthur Aquaman is still alive, but he's been kind of mutated into some sea serpent merman kind of thing. Um, 
so Superman has sent um, Diana and Sheeta and Martian Manhunter to talk to him as, as, as ambassadors of champion to try to get him on their side because Metallo was uh, survived the disaster and he basically turned Metropolis into some mutant city. So it's, it's mega city one over there back home. And now um, they're moving towards champion and on the way there, it looks like Metallo and Billy Batson are going to team up. So while um, while on their way back from visiting Aquaman, John, Cheetah, and Diana are attacked by the children of Billy Batson. This is insane. I don't know how long. I don't know how many years this has been because these are grown ass kids. But they throw a grenade in Martian Manhunter's mouth. So now he's dead. They take a chain, wrap it around Sheeta's neck, snap it. She's dead. And Diana demands to know who you are. Why have you attacked us? They're all wearing hoods. First one takes the hood off and says, it should all be too obvious, Diana. These are my children, and it's Billy Batson. The children you and I should have had. My man is just fucking bonkers. So he says, instead, they have three different mothers. While you stay in Ken's arms. And I'm just, I cannot believe that this is coming out of, of, of this boys. I, I, it really does. Again, it just, I'm like, yeah, see, this is, this is so Shazam. This I knew it. I knew it. Thank you, Howard. But we, um, they, they all attack Wonder Woman. Um, they end up killing her. Clark finds the body. Um, he uh, he buries her, and then it's on to fight Billy and and the people at at Marvel City. Um, the uh, while the fight's happening, there is a green glow in the distance. Superman flies to it, and there's a woman dancing around this lantern. But it's not it's not a woman. It's actually Matrix. And it's Green Lantern's power battery. So um, so Matrix found the ring, gives the ring to Superman. Huge fight between both cities, both villages. Um, nothing good happens to, to Billy Batson. Um, Superman, being his father's son, puts his son in a makeshift ship with the... Uh, powered by the uh by the ring and um and sends him off because the earth is pretty because every time billy calls on the lightning every time billy screams for shazam he's harming the earth a little more each time and finally the earth just can't take it anymore so um the earth right before it destroys itself um the ship carrying bruce the son of Clark and Diana fly out of its atmosphere. And that is the end of the story. It's a good one. It's a little bit, a little bit mean spirited, but it's a good one. (laughs) Okay. Kill Diana too. Why don't we (laughs) just really rip out, destroy the whole friggin' planet. And Howard, Howard had a bad day. 
That's I was it. just going to say, just yeah. out. Fuck this DC stuff. I'm going to kill them all. <laughs> Should have kept Power and Glory going, bastards. But uh, treat for the eyes, too. It's just oh, great. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. yeah. It's great looking stuff. And it's one of those stories where it's not like, I mean, there's, for the most part, a lot of the Elseworld stories all end on a note where it's like you've learned from my mistakes and and we, there aren't too many, even the ones that, that end on a bit of a downer because the hero of the story may not make it to the end. Um, their memory or their reasons or their, their teachings will help um future generations and 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 this was this was very much this was very much like that and it it you know i mean so it was it's it read like a story that you know could have been the after event of any um the fallout of any any of the weekly superman issues um and then it just gets a little crazy or larger than life as as we get further into um into the tale but yeah no it's it was a gorgeous one i'm glad i'm glad i read it i um sorry i missed it many many years ago um but yeah it was uh it was a lot of fun but i said i mean some of the some of what and i guess if i if i can say that some of the things that i was reading out of clark kent's head um sounded a little off then i guess it's it's fair to say that uh we can also say Billy Batson was a little off based on other appearances that you're familiar with. Sure. Jason, son of wood, where am you? Look at you, Jason. That's a little Guardians of the Galaxy reference, son. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, I'm going to be quick on this last one because we're running a little longer than we had promised the folks that uh, thought they were getting a short one. Um, Ironically, this this story is three times as long as the first one I talked about, uh, so it would fall squarely in the category of, of the ones that irked Vince. Uh, <laughs> and that and that well, you said you didn't like when the other world yeah. Elseworlds, yeah. Uh, and this one was published in late two thousand into two thousand and one. It was a three issue series, but double size, so effectively a six issue mini series of normal proportions. Uh, it is called Batman, the Doom that Came to Gotham. Have either of you read it? I have not. Read it. Vince. Yeah. I figured you have, yes. Um, I was struck by the cover when I was looking at things to choose from. It is a... It is a... Sorry, I uh, had a little interruption there. Uh, it is a striking cover by Mr. Mike Mignola. Of uh, Batman and Mister Freeze with Gotham in the background with with what looks like some Cthulhu esque tentacles. Yep. So I thought, oh, okay, and it is exactly that. Um, written by Mignola and Richard Pace, uh, with art interestingly by Troy Nixie. Now that name may not be familiar mm-hmm. to a lot of you, but Troy is actually doing insane commission work these days uh repped by our friend cam at inky knuckles um but uh, that's neither here nor there he this has got to be one of his early comics works back then when it came out um it was this story was originally going to be drawn by pace as well as co-written uh for some reason that didn't happen they actually put in the trade of this 
uh, some of Pace's original pencils for the first issue. So I'd love to know why it ended up not happening that way. But but either way, um, this is a story where the Batman mythos is in, is in a world where the Dark Gods exist, the Elder Gods. Um, and I will say that I remember earlier I, I mentioned that that Justice Riders was probably not the better crafted story, but I enjoyed it more. Um, I think to Vince's point earlier, this does suffer from the fact that they let Mignola have lots of extra room because he does what I wish he hadn't in that he gives us the entirety of the Batman mythos. Uh, This isn't a get in, get out like at its crux. This is Batman having to return to Gotham he was on an Arctic exploration uh, expedition with his wards. Uh, all three of all three of his, his his robins are alive and well in this as his sons. Uh, but he has to come back to to battle a great evil, and it's essentially Ra's al Ghul and Talia uh, as ciphers for the um, sorcerers who can conjure the elder gods from the dark dimension, and Batman has to fight them, but. And that would have been cool. And that part was cool. Like I was like, oh, because that's neat, right? You get an amalgamation of, of, of the Cthulhu mythos, the Lovecraftian stuff, along with with Batman. All good with that. But along the way, we get like, and it's like almost as if it's written in people's contracts. As soon as they arrive in Gotham, Alfred says, "Are you okay?" And then Bruce, there's fucking three pages of flashbacks of his parents getting killed by a robber, and it's like really like like must you always give us the origin story visually like don't we all know that bruce's parents were killed in the street like you 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 have to waste three pages of the story to do that and the only difference being this time it's set in the 1920s and they were stabbed to death but like okay it's the exact same thing right um and it just keeps happening again and again like we're introduced to harvey dent but instead of it being harvey dent is harvey dent in the story it's, oh, Harvey Dent, our old friend, who is district attorney, and now he's running for mayor. Oh, does Harvey still play with that coin? He sure does. It's his campaign slogan, actually. And it's like, I, I like the the wink and the nod is, is Harvey Dent and the coin. Like, that's, that's the fun. It, it's not, let me tell you about why you should care about Harvey Dent and the coin, right? Um, it's just a lot of on-the-nose stuff, almost as if Mignola felt like, okay, this is my one chance to play with Batman, and which we knew ends up not being true, but 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 at the time, and he's like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it all in there, uh, and and I really do think it suffered for it. Um, I thought there were a lot of cringe moments because of it, um, and it was you know so again like I I thought that I the premise was cool, and there were definitely some dope moments. I think visually, Nixie knocks it out of the park. Uh, Nixie is very much, particularly back then, a, a, a part of that whole uh, Mignola verse. Uh, Hellboy BPRD school visually, um, his stuff definitely is is would would and, and did fit right in with all those other guys that were that were putting it down back then. So so if you like the Mignolaverse aesthetic, you'll very much like this visually. I think the the set pieces and the character designs were great. Um, I, I particularly think when they're dealing with the Lovecraftian stuff, Nixie's at, at its at its strongest. There's a point where. Two Face is turned into, uh, in, in his his the left side of his body is uh, rather than just being deformed is is a gigantic um, overgrown 
uh, organism, kind of like uh, from Akira, and it also happens to be a gateway into the Elder Gods universe. Uh, I thought that was a pretty cool idea. Um, so, so there are like moments in this book where I was like, "Oh, this is great! Yeah, okay, cool. I see what you're doing here." Um, but, but it just, I think, Pace and Miola tried too hard to do too many things in in one story. Uh, and they would have been much better off just editing. And it's ironic because I think one of the strengths of the Mignola verse is that you can pretty much pick up any trade and read it and get a, most of the, the enjoyment from it. Sure, if you've been reading it from the start, there are going to be winks or nods that you otherwise might not get. And it'll be even a richer experience. But you can just grab a BPRD volume or a Hellboy volume or a Lobster Johnson volume and read it. And it's completely satisfying. And I I wish he had done that here. I wish he had done that here. Um, so, yeah. Um, and it's also curious. I, this came out in 2000 and 2001, and it was not reprinted in any form until 2015. So I, it seems like there's some backstory there. But uh, I don't know if it's an issue with the Lovecraft people, because they don't specifically mention they, – they use analogs. They don't mention Cthulhu, and they don't mention any of the other Elder Gods. But they, they do amal- amalgams of them, but uh, – but nevertheless, this was great in theory, just okay in execution from my vantage. I'd have to back you up on that. Yeah, I thought the the Lovecraft elements were were great, uh, but they're blatant as hell. Like uh, the in the beginning with the Emperor Penguins and the Mountains of Madness, it's you know exactly uh, what the influences are on, on these sections. So uh, the visuals are are superb. I, I, yeah, if you, if you just want um, a nice chunk of eye candy, yeah, I think these issues are great, but there's too much. Um, and fucking Etrigan's in it, which is right, I, right. I, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't with that character. Why? We talked about that. I, I, that character just rubs me the wrong way. I find him intensely annoying. Huh. That hurts. Oh well. I know you guys love yeah. him. I know. I'm sorry. I, That's I okay. You don't got. You don't have to. At explain. least he doesn't rhyme in this. At least he's not the rhyme <laughs> in this, which I'm happy about. Visually, I think it's a treat. Um, Story wise, I think is. Mignola was uh, still cutting his teeth on a, on how to write outside of his wheelhouse. I guess. Mm-hmm. He's, you're, you're exactly right. You don't need to tell us everything we know. It's the whole premise on which the El- Elseworlds Foundation is built: the nudge, nudge, and the wink, wink. Yeah, and we get everybody's origin. I mean, yeah. we get Rachel Cruz's origin. We get we get the boy's adoption. We get Bruce's parents. Who, I mean, it, it's 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 a lot. It's a yeah. lot. Uh, it's uh, but yes, but but visually it's great. And and uh, I should mention because it is a, an interesting. I thought interesting. Uh, Bruce evolves into a man bat uh, at the end to to fight the fight. That's the only way he can win. So. Yeah. Oliver Queen is a industrialist, evil industrialist who's given in to the Elder Gods. Oh, flip side. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. like I said, cool, like, like just like any Elseworlds, the concept, it, it's, it's all in the execution. Like, Mike Mignola doing a Lovecraft-Batman mashup should have been legendary status, right? It should be one of those Elseworlds that when people say the term Elseworlds, you think of it. You think, oh, my God, like when Mignola did, right? That So to me, the fact that this is not on most people's tips of their tongue and 
until this week, only one of us had read it. And now even Dap, who's the most, I think, would have been the most likely to have read it, hadn't. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't know. Swing and a miss. Whoop. It happens. It does happen. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, we really hope you've enjoyed this little special outing. Uh, we wanted to do something a little bit different, and we hope we have succeeded. Uh, in the meantime, please, if you want to get your comics for far less than everybody else is paying, last time you're going to hear this, go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCPService.com, Conan the Barbarian by Aaron and Asrar, 1749 out of Marvel. The Scumbag, number one, $1.99 from Image, Rick Remender and Company. And again, from DC, $14.99 will snag you Daniel Warren Johnson's Wonder Woman Dead Earth hardcover. DCPService.com. I don't have any of your travels because, uh, yeah, I'm just going to say get yourself out there if you have not investigated the Elseworlds format before. There's a lot of cool stories to be had. Um, some for, uh, relatively, uh, cheap and others not so much. So just, uh, keep on the hunt in those dollar bins. Unless you're in our vicinity, then go get a sandwich and then come back when we're done. But, uh, yeah, Elseworlds, check them out. Lots and lots of fun. I will, um, I will second that. I'll just say, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say is, is, is get yourselves some Elseworlds books. I will save mine, since I know you pulled some images for it. I will save mine, um, for, depending on how long our book of the month goes this week, um, I'll save it for an upcoming episode because I don't want to give it a short shrift. I really, it, it is, I absolutely loved it, which kind of surprises me a little bit because of the era that it's in. Um, Cause golden age Superman isn't necessarily my favorite version of Superman, but this was Superman war of the worlds was an absolute blast. Michael Lark's art is fantastic. And Roy was definitely having some fun adapting this story. So um, in your travels, Go out and get some Elseworlds and some what ifs and just enjoy the comics you're reading. Yeah, I agree. Uh, before we go, I just want to do send a big, warm group pile on bear hug to our good friend Daryl Taylor, uh, who uh, both our friend and fellow podcaster and who uh, who lost his mom this week. So uh, sincerest condolences to him. Much love to you, brother. We love and, you. Uh, yeah, and um, and uh, yeah, I, and I will echo the uh, the what ifs. I I bought. Uh, you guys remember I bought the I bought all the original run of what ifs on eBay for like a dollar a piece three years ago because Colin was into them. You can get them for so cheap, including the yeah. first issue of the yeah of the original run. It's get very, it out. It was very inexpensive. Yep, not exactly hot commodities. Yeah. That's silly. Oh, there, and there's a there's a what if TV show coming on Disney Plus. It was yeah. supposed to come out this year, but they pushed it to next because of the the vid. But uh, but yeah, 2021 what if uh, cartoon for uh, Disney Plus. Wow, I, I, that boggles my mind. You know, it has to be based on the cinematic universe because the majority of the people watching these things aren't going to get the references if they hadn't seen them on but the big what screen. If. The, yeah, exactly, no, they're what ifs. But if you if you go into some what if Johnny Storm married, you know the scroll, yeah. you know they're not going to get it. 
So I am with you, Vince. I, I, I well, number one, I think David is right. I think it is what ifs based on any comic story because uh, I think the one I saw a bit of a preview image for was uh, America Chavez. But so that's odd. It's so strange. But if you go to Disney Plus right now under the Marvel section, you can see the um, the Michael B. Jordan Fantastic Four movie. So anybody who's that they, they are trying to at least let you know. Same thing with the X Men stuff. So they are, you know, I, I think they're trying to let you know that not everything is so but, segregated. But what Vince is saying, and I agree with him, is that the the fun of Elseworlds and what ifs are that we're continuity wonks. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, what if Ben Grimm, or what if uh, Reed Richards marries uh, Alicia Masters? If you have no context for yeah, yeah, why that's yeah. odd, yeah, right. it's it's yeah. going to be a, just a, a, an episode, and you're going to think, I what's what's the what's the hook there, right? Um, you know, what if Wolverine gets bitten by Dracula? I, you know, maybe that one could play because you kind of understand that that would be yeah. cool. I don't know. They'll have to pick. It, they're going to have to pick ones that are a little more obvious. I think. Right. What if Psycho Man was benevolent? Like, who is this character? <laughs> what if Hank didn't beat his wife? Seriously. <laughs> but see, that Hank didn't because that Hank lost his wife in the microverse. So, yeah, I know they they. What I if they could just? They, I got they, a good they, one. Uh, what What if Wanda didn't force blowjob, uh, Wonder Man? <laughs> oh my god! Remember that panel? There's no question what she was doing. There is no oh. question. Burns a pig. Well, yeah, he had Barda and Superman do a porno, so. Right. What was his name? Sleaze, the character? <laughs> yes. Sleaze. Looking, looking like the violator. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <sighs> was uh, was Lord Havoc actually... Uh, was He he wasn't actually Maxwell Lord, right? Like, that's just a... No, red no, 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 no. Yeah, okay. Okay. What was his team called? Lord Havoc and the extermin the uh, extremists. Yeah, I think they were called the extremists. That's extremists yeah. yeah, but they were part of. They were a big part of um, Underworld. Uh, not Underworld Unleashed. There was a a, a tie in to Final Crisis, I think, or was it? I Countdown? think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, there was a giant. Gi- lost. And, yes, and Liam Sharp drew it, or was it Manco? One of the two, and uh, yeah. The, I, I I'd have to I have to watch the recent Wonder Woman eighty four trailer again because I don't remember if they introduced the character as Barbara Minerva because during the fight scene towards the end of the trailer when Diana says Barbara what did you do my wife was like Barbara Gordon I was like no that's not but it's I know because I don't remember if they actually said her name was Barbara at all in the trailer. Leading up to that point. So it's like, well, who the hell is this barber she's talking about? So I think they did. I just might have missed it, but I don't know if they did. I'm wrong. It wasn't drawn by, I think the covers were done by uh, Liam Sharp, but the interiors were Derenic and Sienkiewicz. Oh, uh, okay. And I oh, remember, no, no, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was yeah, that time but, when Sienkiewicz was inking everybody. He inked Mike Norton yeah. for a while in one yeah, of those DC books. Yeah. 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 And there's a story to be told about that. Yes. Oh, is there? Yeah, but yes. I can't tell it here. So. No. <laughs> There you go. So, uh, hey, uh, that's it. That's all we got. We hope you enjoyed this. Go read some comics. Please check out Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram. We have presences there. The Patreon sites always kick in, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. TikTok. And, and we we don't have a TikTok. We don't. Do we? 
reels. I don't know. <laughs> you may be dancing to stuff with the eleven o'clock comic shirt. I have no I idea. May on, on, I may just start doing that for reels, like just on on reels. But well, yeah, just with the same TikTok watermark down in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand any of this, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, yes, we'll, we'll be back, uh, in the meantime, say goodnight. This is getting pathetic. I really got to get some, maybe a ukulele. Oh, oh, a lele. Yeah. Mandolin. I could, I could play the hell out of a mandolin. No, I'm not Richard Zamfir. (laughs) Master of the pan flute. David. Wow. All right. I know. It's it's, it's a challenge this time. Night. That doesn't mean we can be quiet during it because you have your no, you not. have your chronogram ticking in the background. Right. I've got, I've right. got the the countdown clock. And shit, Remember, so. people. Next time is the book of the month, and we're yes. jumping headlong into bitter root. So bitter root, y'all. Be here with us. Such a good David. book. Yes. Stealth. I love it. Boom. Came in, punched us in the face. I'm out of here. Closing the door. As are we. Good night, people. That's it for that one.